0: Our gospel text shows the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. This is interesting because these were Jewish men who from childhood were raised with the prayers they heard in their synagogues and the great liturgical prayers of the high holy days in the temple in Jerusalem. But they wanted something more. The human heart always wants more because we are designed for intimacy with God. And Jesus, who is God, taught them to pray, beginning with the words, Father, hallowed be your name. This was a very Jewish thing to do because Jewish tradition calls man to remember his inherent dignity and engage in what is called the Kedushat Hashem, sanctifying the holy name. Why? By sanctifying the name of God, one acknowledges that God is beyond, completely other than what he creates that one's very existence is utterly dependent upon God. The person who sanctifies the name of God is reminded that he or she has a vocation. As Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45 teaches, Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. By teaching the disciples, the church, to call God holy, Father, and hallow his name, Jesus is teaching us to open ourselves to an ever deepening intimacy with his Father, who through Jesus is now our Father. It is this intimacy that gives us the courage to petition the Father with absolute confidence to give us each day our what? And to forgive our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. Now let's take a look at those two elements. Daily bread, forgiveness. Because to pray, as Jesus asks, without any awareness of what those realities mean, renders the power of this prayer in our lives and in the life of the church ineffective. Give us each day our daily bread. The gospel uses a word for daily that's found only twice in the New Testament. In Matthew's rendition of the Our Father in Matthew 6 verse 34 and in Luke's rendition as we just heard. The word in Greek is epiousios. The ancient fathers of the church tended to understand the word not as referring to physical food or basic nourishment for the day, but what they called the super substantial bread, the super essential bread. The theologian Tertullian of Carthage, 155 to 225, wrote, for Christ is our bread, because Christ is life, and life is bread. I am the bread of life, he said. We are asking to be inseparably united to his body. St. John Cassian between 360 and 432, use the term super, essential, super substantial bread because the bread that Jesus gives, he says, is exalted in splendor and holiness. It surpasses all substances and creatures, and without it, Saint John Cassian, we cannot lead a spiritual life. St. Cyril of Jerusalem, <clears throat> 375 to 444, says this, For this bread does not go into the belly and is cast out into the latrine, but it is distributed into your whole system for the benefit of body and soul. Other ancient fathers of the church thought that the supersubstantial bread referred not only to the Eucharist, but to Scripture, to the Word of God, that the believer must ask for to be sustained in this life. We are not simply praying for food, but for the bread of life each day, the word of God who became flesh and spoke the words of his Father and through the power of his word gives us his flesh in the mystery of Eucharist. Notice, however, we must first petition for this super substantial bread before we do what the holy gifts and God's word empowers us to do, to imitate and serve God by doing the one thing only God can do, forgive offenses. Anybody here holding a grudge against somebody they refuse to forgive? If you are, you are in great danger. One of the most damning things I can hear as a priest is for someone to say, I will never forgive that person for what he or she did or what he or she said. And I do hear it. To die in such a state is to send oneself to hell. That is not an exaggeration. It's a fact. When we say the Our Father, Jesus afterwards said, if you do not forgive the sins of others, neither will your Father forgive you yours. God will not forgive us if we, fallen creatures, arrogantly refuse to forgive the offenses of another equally fallen creature. Now it may take time to forgive, It may take a lot of effort, it may even be painful, I understand that, I've been there a number of times. But I also know that it must be done, not just for the sake of those who wound us, but so that the believer does not become ensnared in the past by constantly reliving the anger and thereby lose the ability to live fully in the present and be open to an unfolding future. God is not found in the past. He is found in the present and in the future. Hell is the nightmarish existence of souls forever trapped in their pasts perpetually reliving their anger with no sympathy from others, no resolution, no hope for peace. The Lord tells us to never give up in drawing closer to the Father. This is why he told that little story of the man whose friend disturbs him at midnight for some loaves of bread. The hallmark of the friend is his persistence. And, says Jesus, so too, we must be persistent in growing in our relationship with the Father. We must ask, seek, knock. Not just once, not just twice. Not just once or twice a year, but constantly. But what does that mean? We ask through the gift of prayer in which we are privileged to share communion with the Father who already knows what our needs are. We seek, most especially through growing in our understanding of Scripture, the Word of God, which guides us to truth. Saint Jerome once said back in the fourth century, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. There is no excuse in this age of superb materials and opportunities and parishes for a believer not to have a working knowledge of the word of God. We knock through allowing our faith to guide the moral choices we make in our lives even if those choices will put us at odds with this world. All these realities are contained in that prayer we call the Our Father, a prayer in which we will say in just a few minutes, God forbid we mindlessly mumble the words.